Who would think being a professional baseball umpire would prepare you to be a legislator? Well, Representative Jesse Topper says it did. A member of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, Jesse sits on some important committees, and he's calling balls and strikes on Governor Wolf's agenda. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, president of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. I am in downtown Harrisburg, and I have as my guest representative Jesse Topper. Uh, Jesse, uh, thanks for coming on. My pleasure, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. Well, Jesse uh, represents uh, Bedford and Franklin and Fulton. Uh, where is the dominant part of your legislative district? The majority is in Bedford. I represent the majority of Bedford County. Uh, Representative Metzger also has a part, the western part of Bedford County and uh, some of the southern part. I represent all of Fulton County, which is one of the larger geographical counties in terms of land mass and mm -hmm. the smallest in terms of the amount of people that actually <laughs> live there. So, And then I, I have a little part of Franklin County, the Mercersburg area, Warren, Peters, and Montgomery Townships. But you uh, you grew up in Bedford County. That That is home for you? It is. I grew up in Hindman, uh, PA, Southern Bedford County, and, and now live right in downtown Bedford. And uh, your family, uh, you guys uh, all grew up there. Is that, you got generations going back? Uh, what what yeah, kind my, of a Pennsylvanian are you? So my, my grandfather, an old country doctor uh, in Hindman, Pennsylvania, that's where you know we've always, the, the family's always been. We had a, a horse farm down there that my mom and dad uh, sold recently, and now it was not a, as dad says, it was a play farm. You know, he was a, a public school teacher uh -huh. uh, his entire career and, and coached football, wrestling. That was his job, but we always had horses. I showed horses in 4-H. And uh, actually, I miss riding a little bit. The one thing about living in town is you don't get that opportunity as much. But uh, that's that's the place I grew up in. Matt, I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, this the small rural area. Uh, it's just just always has been our family's lifestyle. And so your dad was a public school teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, he, was that his entire career? Entire career. Yeah. And uh, what about your mom and uh, brothers, sisters? Yeah, mom, mom was a, uh, a stay-at-home mom. She was a waitress uh, when she and dad met. She's from New Jersey, actually. Came uh, came to Bedford County with the horses. Was, okay. Was working on some horses down in Bedford when uh, when she and dad met. And I have. Uh, two older half brothers, uh, John, who's in the military. In fact, in Cutter right now, hmm. um, and as a major, and my my brother Joby, who's uh, head of the library department at Lock Haven University, and just very proud of both of them. And so, uh, uh, where did politics enter? Was yeah. your family uh, engaged? Well, in Dad politics? was Dad's a social studies teacher, okay. so it was history and and government were yeah. always big deals to him. But nobody in the family was ever involved in in politics. Uh, I I think I kind of got the family involved. Uh, I was a guest page down here on the House floor when I was 12 years old for my predecessor, Dick Hess. Uh -huh. um, and after I did that, I just, I kind of fell in love with it. And then I, I was homeschooled uh, from third grade on. And I remember watching the Clarence Thomas hearings. Mm. Now, I didn't know really what was going on. I didn't understand exactly <laughs> Yeah, what was happening right, right. With, the, with Anita Hill. I don't think and, your, your parents you know, probably wanted you to right. fully there, understand that. But, but what I did <laughs> see were, were the senators and, and on the panel, the Judiciary Committee, grilling the, the witnesses and the testifiers, and I just loved it. And hmm. I, remember, I can remember watching Arlen Specter and Alan Simpson and Joe Biden, and I thought, wow, this is, this is pretty neat. And, and one of the advantages of, of being homeschooled is, is you got to experience yes, some of those right. things. Um, and and got to then go and be a part of things at the Capitol here, and, and I worked the polls for for Representative Hess again, 12 years old, out there in the cold. I remember uh, that was a presidential year. Um, President Bush was running. 
and, and lost to uh, President Clinton, I think, was my first first year actually out working the polls. So, you know, those, those kind of experiences really got me uh, in, involved and interested in the political world. Well, I know you were interested in the political world, but uh, you uh, actually your first uh, pursuits uh, had nothing to do with politics. Uh, I remember you telling me that you wanted to be a professional umpire mm-hmm. in the major leagues. Yeah, uh, I mean, how did I, that I, was, yeah. I was interested in politics, and I loved it, but my, my first love always has been and, and might always will be baseball. Uh-huh. Uh, I enjoyed playing it as a kid. I was a catcher. But I, I went to my first baseball game, uh, and I remember it actually vividly for a six-year-old, but, but a Pirates and Padres game, the doubleheader, and we're Three Rivers Stadium, and I remember seeing these guys on the field that seemed like they were really the ones in charge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said to my dad that day, I said, that's what I want to do one day. I want to be a, an umpire, which was strange because it seemed to be the, the people in the, that, that nobody in the stadium right, right. liked. Yeah, right. But I felt right. like they were, they were the guys <laughs> that were in charge. And as I grew so up, So that makes I, sense about the politics then. It's kind well, of like this seems to be the people nobody liked. You know, right? yeah. you know it, it, umpire school prepared me to a certain okay. degree for, okay. <laughs> for politics. Um, but I, I – I always I, I followed it as a kid. I would mimic uh, umpires what they did. I, I could tell. I can still actually. It's probably embarrassing for me to admit this. I can still tell to this day by looking at the umpire behind the plate who it is by really? his stance. So you his got calls. to know. You yeah, got it to kind know. of became okay. a little bit of a party trick for me. But but then I I did go to Harry Wendell Stats umpiring school right out of high school. I was convinced that was what I was going to do. Um, really enjoyed it. You know, but it's a very difficult thing to break into. Uh, for an example, we had 300 kids in our class. Uh, 20 of us got picked to move on to the evaluation camp. Only one of us is still in the game today, and he's in the major leagues. So Just a very competitive, It uh, is. I'm it's sure, a small, yeah. yeah. I mean, and look, it's, the turnover is very low. I mean, once those guys get in the majors, they're there for a while. But it was a great experience. I uh, made a lot of great friends and, and truly got to live a dream in, in getting down there and being with Harry Wendelstadt and all those professional umpires. So if, if we were filming here, I'd ask you to demonstrate your punch out. Yeah, and I that. would. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, it's I'm, embarrassing. I'm, yeah, right. You know, I, I, because it's embarrassing. Ask, ask either one of my sons who every once in a while in public, I might even just break out a strike three call and they're like, Dad, you know, stop it. Well, so, so that uh, homeschooling uh, allowed you to uh, pursue that uh, right away. Is that what you then, after graduating high school? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to do, and and I really didn't. College wasn't on the on the brain. I mean, politics only that I was involved in and liked it, but that was that was what I wanted. That was my pursuit. You know, I was a guy who uh, enjoyed music. Um, that ended up when I went back to school to be my my major was music because I, I worked for a, a large Methodist church that had you know wanted a, a full time music mm-hmm. director mm-hmm. for their program, but but honestly, it was umpiring and. Uh, I got a chance, even after I got out of professional umpiring, I still did uh, high school and college baseball uh, for a while, and and that was great. But then, you know, when you think about getting into running for office, uh, some things have to go away, and probably ticking off a lot of people locally that are going to have to vote for you because of your umpiring is probably one of those (laughs) things that had to go away. Yes, uh, because of the the many uh, major league careers you ruined uh, with bad calls. Right, that's right. Because I know little league. Yeah, yeah, that's right. As as a little league coach, you know, I heard from plenty of parents. You know, one uh, one of the things though that's interesting about that, Matt, and always stuck with me in terms of, you know, because people would, people could be brutal in Mm -hmm. in that business and they're brutal in this business, as you know. But I remember one time I was coaching, or excuse me, I was umpiring in the, uh, in the Frontier League, which is an independent professional baseball league. And it was Johnstown, the Johnstown Johnnies. And there was a first baseman who had just struck out 
and he was jogging back to first base and just tears streaming down his face. And I was first base umpire, and I said something like, hey, man, you know, keep your head up or something like that. He goes, no, he said, he said the way this year is going for me, this is my last year in professional baseball. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of made me think, you know, what we did. I mean, every time those guys struck out or those guys had an error, they're thinking about this is their job, yeah. this is their livelihood. And, and it helped me not just have a perspective as an umpire, but also in this business. You know, I, w- whenever somebody, you know, maybe posts something on Facebook or screams at me or catches me at, in the Giant Eagle uh, I think, you know, I don't know what kind of a day they're having. I don't know what kind of a mm. year they're having. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to keep that in mind, that we all we all come at things from different perspectives. And I think that day on the baseball field taught me a little bit about um, maybe some, some tolerance, yeah. uh, especially when people are giving you a hard time. Sure, sure. So uh, so you end up going to school, getting a, a music degree, mm-hmm. uh, and I, what, uh, Frostburg? Frostburg uh, State yeah. University, And yeah. uh, then uh, come back and go to work for a, a fairly large church, right? Uh, yeah, it was the United Methodist Church in Bedford, uh, BUMC. And, and when I say large church, large for, a, for, for Bedford, for Bedford yeah, County. Yeah, sure. And, um, you know, got a, got a lot of things done. But at that time, also still... Uh, you know, interested in in public mm. service. Mm-hmm. I was on. I was elected to, to borough council. I was elected to Republican state committee. Um, actually, it was pretty. You know, in my early twenties. Um, so I was around it a lot, and mm-hmm. I just I I always felt that pull. But I, I really don't look at politics as necessarily a career that I was going to start in yeah. and end in. I mean, I was doing other things, but I, I think regardless of whether you're getting paid for it or not, you should be involved mm-hmm. and engaged in public service. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I was doing. Um, and I didn't necessarily have a plan of, well, this is when I'm going to go into office or this is the first seat I'm going to run for, anything like that. And obviously me coming in under rough circumstances with my predecessor passing away in office, yeah. that's not something that is, is normally happens or something that you plan for. Um, but just trying to put myself in a position that if the if the opportunity came, that I would like to pursue it. So uh, Dick Hess, who'd been a longtime uh, mm-hmm. member of uh, the House of almost Representatives, years, yeah. Almost, yeah. Uh, so you you win in what a, a January special? I know you were installed in January. Yeah, of 2014. it was a January special election. I think the wind chill that day was uh, negative three <laughs> in a, in a, a negative three in a special election for a House seat in. Um, in, in Bedford, Fulton, and, and at that time, Huntington County, because okay. it was right, it was an interesting situation. That was the last year of the old maps. Okay. Uh, so, so you won with turnout, how many, yeah, how yeah, many, how many voters? Was low, um, <laughs> but, but we won, uh, I think, with uh, 81% of the vote is what I remember. And so. then you had to turn around and r- run for sure. re-election again in 14 and 16 and 18. Yeah, and, circulate uh, yeah. petitions in a new district mm-hmm. only a few weeks later, had a primary opponent at that point, and then um, of course, some general election sense, but you know, I, I I think that that's that's part of what we do. I mean, I remember going around in in those cold temperatures, knocking on doors, um, but that's that is what you do. That the only way that you can that you can really engage the public. People always talk about the public being engaged with their elected officials, uh, but part of that is also elected officials engaging with the public, and that's mm-hmm. how you do it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, along the path here, I know you got married. You've got mm-hmm. a couple of boys, uh, one that's a pretty good golfer uh, that you uh, caddy for. <laughs> He's much better than me, I can say <laughs> And that. I can attest to that. Yeah, so, you, yeah. yeah you, would, you, would, you would know. Yeah, he's much better than me. Now, so so uh, you're involved with your kids. Uh, I know you also uh, uh, enjoy being on the radio, uh, doing a color commentary uh, for local high school football games. Yeah, be, as you know, sports big part of the background. My dad was a coach. I coached uh, as well our, our local high school football team. And so when I got out of coaching, 
I, I was able to get on the radio and do uh, football color commentary. My dad does wrestling, and um, it's kind of become a, a family thing. We we both help each other out if he can't do wrestling or I can't mm-hmm. do football, and and it's a lot of fun. And it it keeps me connected to the game without the um, every night practice yes, right, and right. you know <laughs> and that kind of stress that comes along with it. But I I think you can. I've always been someone who you can get so much out of team sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially at the high school level, I, I thought all, all of the great lessons that I learned uh, and, and had the ability to do, you know, as a homeschooler mm-hmm. who, whose homeschool district in Bedford allowed me to participate in extracurricular activities. You know, when I was homeschooling, that wasn't right. Uh, it wasn't in, necessarily popular or even something that was done a lot. I mean, well, in fact, uh, laws had to be changed uh, in order to uh, allow for homeschoolers to do that uh, because there were a lot of school districts that were not treating homeschoolers. Uh, and Senator as, Bob yeah. Jubilee, who was yeah. my senator mm-hmm. at the time, uh, actually, with, <laughs> with, with finding out information from us and, uh, and took that fight uh, okay. to the Senate. And, and a lot of it was just folks didn't, didn't understand. Yeah. It, was, it was a new thing. Um, but it was, I, I was very fortunate to be able to, to get to do that and uh, always, always appreciated my time in, in sports. And I, actually, I spoke to, uh, to our high school football team the night before their, their big game this past Friday. I was invited to be uh, their guest speaker at their, at their pregame, for their pregame meal the night before. And I said, the, 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 what we learn uh, from playing these team sports, I think has, has served, will always serve mm-hmm. us well. You know, the, the values and the, the appreciation that you're not just out there for yourself, you're out there for someone else. And I think uh, we could all continue to keep that in mind, especially in the business that we find ourselves in. Currently. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more as a former football baseball player and then a football baseball coach in high school. Uh, those are just lessons that uh, uh, translate. And mm-hmm. in fact, when I am looking for employees and people who have that team sports uh, background, uh, I know that there's an element there that uh, requires they know what it means to be part of a team and the success of, of a team is dependent on the strength of everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. And those are just life lessons that absolutely carry uh, throughout your life. Uh, so important uh, lessons. So uh, you are on some very important committees in the House uh, and having uh, only you know a few terms relative uh, are sitting on the Appropriations Committee, of course, that's uh, overseeing all of the finances and the budget every year. Uh, Education Committee, uh, very important one, of course, uh, one of the biggest budgetary items. But as uh, I've always said, it's, it, it is the cornerstone. It's the foundation on which all of the rest of the government costs uh, mm-hmm. can be developed. Because when we fail there, uh, we know people are stuck in the welfare system right. or the correction system. So really important. And I know that you're passionate about that particularly given your homeschool background and then, uh, you know, understanding that education is, uh, in, for many people, it's the greatest anti-poverty program, particularly in urban areas mm-hmm. that uh, I don't know if uh, there's any urban areas of, of Bedford. Uh, but <laughs> no, uh, no. <laughs> no, or Fulton yeah, or Franklin. Right, but, but you understand the sure. power and importance of an education. And there's some big fights going on uh, in Harrisburg, in particular some of the alternatives that uh, uh, children are choosing uh, and lining up, trying to get into in those urban areas, and that's with charter schools uh, that have formed as a result of, well, families, parents, kids not being satisfied with their assigned public school, and uh, these are are serving as alternatives. But uh, Governor Wolf uh, doesn't think that they're doing a good job, uh, you know, in general, uh, and is uh, really trying to make some changes 
Um, what are you guys seeing in the education uh, committee and dealing with uh, what are really, I think, some unfair attacks by the sure. governor? Well, well, and first of all, when we talk about rural versus versus urban, um, and you and I, you and I have talked about this before, but for the folks of Bedford County, uh, they understand, and Fulton and Franklin, that what goes on in Philadelphia school system does impact them, mm -hmm. uh, and, and vice versa. What goes on in the Erie School District does affect them, and what goes on in uh, Monroe County and, and some of the suburbs. I mean, the the public education system is truly a public system that affects everyone in Pennsylvania. And and my goal has always been as a policymaker. I've said this on the House floor when uh, Representative Reese and I were were working on some charter reform legislation mm -hmm. that we were moving through through the House. I said, look, our job is to provide opportunities. You know, we can't. I can't legislate good parenting. Yeah. And I've said that from the beginning, yeah. that one of the one of the issues that we face, I don't care whether you're talking about traditional publics, charters, um, private schools, homeschooling, if you if you have poor parenting, then that's going to impact your education at every level. Mm -hmm. I can't I can't do anything about that mm -hmm. from a public policy perspective. Right. What I can do is make sure that there are at least opportunities out there that no matter how you learn. We're going to provide that opportunity for you somehow to get in the best situation for you as a student. And that is really our, those are our stakeholders that we're most responsible to as the children that we're um, supposed to educate. So as I look at that around the state, um, my, my thought is opportunities. Mm -hmm. Charters are a part of that opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, home education programs are part of that opportunity. Private schools, uh, even that, that government doesn't pay for but still allowing the opportunity for them to exist and thrive is part of what we do. And then our traditional brick-and-mortar publics as well. Mm -hmm. We need to be about making sure all of those opportunities are the best that they can be for how you choose. You know, people ask me a lot, well, do you homeschool your boys? And I don't. Uh, I, they go to public school. Um, I, I think our public school system in Bedford is fantastic. I'm really pleased with the way... Uh, my boys are doing it right now. If I thought that the best thing for either one of them or both of them would be something different, I'd want the opportunity as a parent to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to make sure all the parents in this commonwealth have the opportunity to do. And that means holding everyone accountable, including ourselves. Mm -hmm. So uh, where do you think that this goes? Uh, uh, Governor Wolf, of course, has been able to get lots of more money uh, uh, for public education. Um, but do you see that the Republican House and Senate are going to uh, be willing to uh, kind of reverse course in, in when it comes to giving parents more choices? Well, look, and, and this is what I would point to. And we, we've had some meetings with the governor's office. I've been in meetings with the governor's office. Uh, we understand that in all segments of our public education system, charter and traditional K through 12 publics, there needs to be some reform. Mm -hmm. And we have pushed that through the House. We have actually passed a reform package that we feel brings more accountability, more transparency uh, to both places. And so, so in terms of that goal, we're there. But in terms of some of the things that I've seen that would truly uh, almost be punitive in nature, and, and that's something that I don't believe you're going to see the House Republican Caucus uh, stand for. And, and for me, that doesn't do anything to strengthen our, our options. Um, that hurts our options. Mm -hmm. So uh, do we need to look at, at funding issues on both sides? Absolutely. And I'm willing to do that. Uh, and I think we have many people in the caucus that are willing to do that. Um, but, but we have to start the conversation with that where I started, which is, are we trying to expand opportunities, mm -hmm. or are we are we playing maybe to some um, base special interest groups that want us 
to just do things one way. And, and that's, that's what we need to determine in terms of, and look, I've, I've never questioned anybody's motives. Mm -hmm. uh, the people who disagree with me, I would, I would assume, are all starting at the same place. They want it to be the best they can be. But when I, when I talk about education and when we talk about um, charter reform, I want to reform, not eliminate it. Yeah. I, 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 I'm okay with reform for anything we talk about as long as it's true reform and it's not an idea of putting somebody in a situation where they can't be successful. Well, what I think has been unfortunate is that we've gone from the idea of public education, which used to mean the education of the public, mm -hmm. uh, and using diverse means, however best we can educate children, uh, to really really a monolithic, you know, government-run enterprise uh, and saying we're going to try to force everybody into this uh, rather than that, uh, I think, as the founding of this country, of an education of the public. And you know uh, who I think that hurts the most, yeah. Matt, other than the students, is actually the traditional public schools mm -hmm. because we have, we have not given them the ability. Mm -hmm. You know, I've talked to teachers all over the – we've not given them the ability to be flexible and do some of the things right. that we allow our privates or our public charters to do. Yep. And so instead of restrict what charters or private schools can do, why don't we expand what public, yeah. the traditional publics can do? You know, there's, there's more than, than two ways uh, to, go, to go about it here. You can actually, I think, get better results if you open up flexibility. And, and my concern is a lot of times when I, when I see what's going on, is particularly out of this administration, it seems to want to constrict mm -hmm. what people mm -hmm. can do and, and make more make make that tight fist of government even tighter, even on our own people. Yes. And I think that's a mistake. Yeah, it is. And, and I would say, as a, what I would say, I was an entrepreneurial teacher myself, having taught for seven years. I liked the flexibility that I had in private schools. Uh, and if we keep saying, all right, here's how you're going to do your craft, and we're going to put you in this box and not allow you uh, to experiment, be entrepreneurial, and do things that, I mean, I remember reading, this is a little side note, but uh, the New York State Teacher of uh, the Year uh, admitted that some of the things he was doing uh, were illegal because he was helping kids do things that were outside the union contract. Right. Or, uh, But that's the kind of freedom that we want to give teachers to be able to uh, do their, I mean, great teachers should be paid far more than what we're paying uh, today because of the impact that they can have on kids. And so I agree with you. I think that more opportunities and choices is not only good for the kids, but they're, it's great for the teachers that we want to uh, be entrepreneurial in, in their craft. And one of the first things we need to do is, in my opinion, in order to do that, is to reduce our reliance on standardized testing scores. Now, we have to have a marker. Sure. And standardized testing scores certainly certainly contribute to that. But, you know, I, I again, my dad was a school teacher and was a great one and has been recognized, you know, Bedford's uh, Hall of Excellence, Bedford County Sports Hall of Fame, great teacher and a great coach. And that's somebody who always traditionally would also be somebody who they sent the toughest students to. Mm -hmm. And and those things aren't factored That's necessarily right. in standardized right. testing scores. So so we need to look at how we actually evaluate teachers. Senator Ament and I are working on um, redoing uh, Senator Ament's original bill, teacher evaluation mm -hmm. bill, uh, to look at that because we want to reward great teachers. And we want – when we talk about identifying teachers that, that aren't doing as well, it's not necessarily to just eliminate them from the system. It's to say, how can we help you get better? Right. But if we're not going to be willing to have a conversation that teacher A is better than teacher B, and, and sometimes – that can be a tough uh, yes. conversation to have, sure. as as you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but if we're not willing to have that conversation, we're not going to move forward in personnel. 
we're not going to be able to get better if we're just going to say, well, no, every every teacher is just going to be treated the, the exact same, going to be looked at the same. No, there are teachers that need help. We need to be there to help them. There are teachers that can be examples to other teachers. We need to highlight that. And I have no problem with, with trying to create that environment in any public school setting, charter or otherwise. Well, going into 2020, we know it's going to be uh, a lot of politics, uh, given uh, the national election of a president. Um, do you expect us to, to be getting much done uh, uh, legislatively? Uh, in uh, We only have a few days left here in 2019. And then looking into 2020, what are some of the things that are priority for you that you want to see get done? I'm the eternal optimist, <laughs> uh, Matt, as tough as it can be sometimes in this business. Yes, I do think there are things that we can get done i think there are things we got you know i, I point to our, what our economy has been able to do I, I think back to governor wolf's first term and i i remember how hellish that was for everyone four and a half billion dollar tax increase more than the other 49 yeah, states it, combined it was going to yeah. be the most massive yes. tax increase yes. and and by holding the line on that mm -hmm. And look, it wasn't easy. I mean, mm -mm. December 23rd, when you know, when people are, are saying like, "There's no budget," and we were all getting hung out to dry, yep. and the dude. But at the end of the day, I believe, and it wasn't perfect. The product we came up with at the end of that process wasn't wasn't perfect for I know even for what I thought. But it wasn't what could have been the most damaging oh, yes. public policy ever ever instituted in the Commonwealth. Because of that fight, we were able to, I think benefit from this economy. So even when things look like, oh, you can't get anything done because of partisan politics, there's always, if you if you hold your ground on what you believe in, there are always going to be things that you can do to make to make life better. I think we've been able to do that this year so far. Um, again, this budget package, was it, was it perfect? No, but I think it was certainly uh, put ourselves in a position to be successful, reap the benefits of the national economy, and I think some of these things we're talking about, education-wise. Um, I do think we can. I do think we can get some of this charter reform stuff across the the goal line that benefits everybody. Uh, I do believe that we can get you know this teacher evaluation thing done in terms of education, and mm -hmm. I believe in terms of what we're looking at budget wise, uh, there's a lot that we can do. Now, is there going to be a lot of noise uh, surrounding everything oh, yeah. controversial in Trump? Of course, but I still believe there are areas where we can work as the majority party. Um, to put stuff on the governor's desk that, that he, as a businessman, will look at and say, this is a good thing for us. And, and I, I'd like to think that, that partisan politics will not play into every decision. I'm not, I'm not an <laughs> idiot. They'll play into some decisions, but not play into every decision that's made over the next year and a half. Well, Representative Jesse Topper, uh, thank you for joining me on Brews and Views. I really appreciate your taking the time. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. -T -T -E.